in 2020, um, at the beginning of the year, Richard spoke to us and gave us what God was kind of framing our year to be like. And, and as it was in 2020, when we didn't really know what was about to hit us, but, you know, 2020 vision and all that stuff. Um, that wasn't quite the word God gave us, but the word God gave us for that year wasn't just for that year. We've continued in that vein, and that was that God was giving us two lenses in which to see and have a sharp focus into what he's already called us to do and what he continues to speak to us about. And those two lenses are discipleship and mission. And it's still the same today. We want to look at everything we do as a church community through those two lenses. Does it um, fuel discipleship or mission? And if it doesn't, why are we doing it? There's absolutely no point. And so this morning, I wanted to talk to us about one of those lenses, discipleship. And the two do go in tandem because you can't really have true discipleship that doesn't result in mission. Um, And so we want to talk about discipleship this morning and just bring us back to that, that that is a value and a culture and something we want um, to be so evident and real in our gatherings together, but in our day-to-day lives as a church community. And so one of the things that we are doing as a church, if you remember about four months ago, we had our Pioneer Sunday and we heard Ness talk about DNA discipleship. And DNA is a discipleship program that has been happening for over 30 years now. And there's a new partnership with Pioneer and DNA to have um, hubs across the country. So we've got Manchester, we've got Loughborough, we've got London. I feel like that's it, isn't it? I was like, there's a fourth one. I'm being prophetic now. There's a fourth one soon. <laughs> and man, so Manchester is one of those hubs, and we kick off this September. But this is one of the ways. It is not the only way, but this is one of the ways we, as a pioneer church, want to invest in discipleship. So that becomes not just something we do, but part of who we are. Because if we are followers of Jesus, we are his disciples. And so rather than me just talking about um, DNA, I thought it would be really good to actually hear from somebody who has done DNA and to hear about their experience and their encounter and what God has done in their lives. And so I want you to give a really, really big, massive King's Church welcome because we've got the lovely Pamela who's come all the way from Warrington this morning. It's a trek. She's all the way from Warrington with her lovely family to be with us this morning. So as I invite Pamela to come up and have a chat with me, let's give her a huge, huge King's Church welcome. Welcome. Really big. Thank you. I'm definitely <laughs> feeling the love. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well done, guys. So do you want to just tell us, just in a couple of sentences, who you are? I know, big question. <laughs> okay, so my name's Pamela. I'm originally from Liverpool. Um, I'm 50 years old, I am married with four children, um, lived in Liverpool until I got married and then went to live in Portugal, hence the funny surname, I'll just explain that. Um, uh, yeah, so I went to live in Portugal for 10 years um, before returning back to England in 2007 um, and then when I came back I was working and running my own business as a childminder for 14 years. Um, and I attend Hillcliffe Baptist Church in Warrington. So I'm um, a deacon there, part of the leadership team. Awesome. Wonderful. So um, why did you do DNA, Pamela? 
Ooh, there's a big question. <laughs> um, I think in its simplest form, I just wanted more of God. I wanted to experience more of what I already knew. Um, I'd already been called into leadership in church, but I, quite, I felt quite um, ill-equipped for and uh, lacking in confidence. And I knew that um, God had a lot more for me to learn. And so I was at a stage in life where I was able to devote more time to God and to be more purposeful and intentional, I think, about my own journey and my own faith. So um, I just um, embarked on a a mission of discovery, I think, and research. And I was guided by uh, the pastor of my church to the DNA program because he listened to what I was saying that I wanted and he recognised that DNA was the answer to that for me. Yeah. Awesome. And when was that? When did you actually do DNA? So I started in 2021, September 2021. So we're just kind of coming out of COVID. Mm. Um, and I've been fortunate, I think, because um, during COVID, they had still run the programme, but it had been all online. They'd done a lot of Zoom. Yeah. Um, and I think they'd learned a lot from that, actually. They'd found a lot of advantages towards um, incorporating the Zoom sessions. So um, I kind of had a hybrid model, which worked really well for me and my circumstances. Um, some of the training was on Zoom. Some of the together time and the ministry time was on Zoom. But then we also got to experience um, the, the, the training weekends and the residential weekends, which were transformational life life-changing experiences yeah that's amazing and you mentioned you hit like a life stage where it became like almost an opportune time was that because the kids are growing up lovely and growing up yeah tell us a bit about that yeah so it's uh, it's just funny looking back how you see God working through your circumstances in your life um I love um hindsight <laughs> I think God teaches us a lot through hindsight um and yeah, I think it was, uh, you know, there was a growing sensation within me that I was, God was calling me to something else. Um, but it did coincide with um, my children growing up and the future looking very different for, for our family. Um, and uh, what was needed to invest in our family had decreased. And alongside with that, the passion and the desire I felt for more of God was increasing. And I think God just sometimes holds that in, in a beautiful balance and tension in our life as we work through our circumstances. Um, and he just manages to um, bring us into his will and, and overcome those obstacles because they were huge. Um, to, to think um, of me embarking on, on this program, it meant a lot of practical life changes. It meant sacrifice um, that, that were huge obstacles, meant travel, that was a big thing at the time. Um, and God just very patiently um, kind of wiped everything away, I would say. You know, everything I put on the table is, a, oh, but I'd love to do this. Oh, but what about? And I'd love to do this, but oh, but there's that. And one by one, God just brushed them aside and created opportunity. Um, and so that's kind of what allowed me and led me yeah. into doing DNA. Yeah. yeah. 
Wonderful. That's amazing. Yeah, like, it's incredible that if God has called you to something, he will make a way. And it's really easy to think about Moses. I can't speak. I can't do this. And God will always make a way. And sometimes in our limited understanding and our limited sort of view, we can kind of hold back a bit. But actually, when we are yielded and open, God can actually use anything in any situation, especially those opportune and transitional moments to be like, here's something, here's something that I can invite you into and that you can, yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say that. Um, I think just... Um, living with a big family and having to support that and invest in that so heavily and intensely as they've been growing up. Um, you know, the impact on them really played heavy on my heart. Um, but God just reassured me right from the beginning that this was a journey for our whole family. And, um, you know, there have been sacrifices to make. <laughs> But um, they've been enriching, actually. You know, we've all learned from them. We've all grown together. Yeah. And that's been amazing and an and added blessing to the journey, yeah. as well as the personal growth that I've received, yeah. Yeah, yeah I love that. It's like a family affair. We all, we're all in this together. We all sacrifice together. But what we gain is so much richer than anything we could actually lay down um, yeah, that's powerful. Just that whole thing around sacrifice. Um, and Jesus gave absolutely everything so that we could have everything. And I think sometimes, not that we forget, but actually there is a cost to things. But the reward, whatever we do, whatever we give to him, the reward is so much bigger than we could ever accomplish in our own strength. And so he's worth giving everything, everything to. Um, so tell me a bit about what God did in your life during DNA. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I think in, in general term, he just opened my eyes and gave me a taste of what that more looked like. Um, just completely um, helped me to look at myself as a person, at my past, at my discipleship journey, um, gave me real inspiration and vision for the future. Um, gave me such a hunger and a thirst to for the Bible, for His Word. Um, yeah. yeah, just that whole life development. Yeah. Gave me a real appreciation for the church and for the support of my church family, which is a huge part of the DNA journey. Um, and it's one that you kind of... Uh, you don't realise the impact of until you're actually living it through. Um, but yeah, that the accumulative effect of having that church support and the mentorship throughout the programme, um, that was really um, just such a blessing and a privilege, I think, to just feel that you've got people investing in you as a person. Um, and, and I just learned so much, I think. DNA provides such a high quality of teaching of, on such a wide range of subjects. And the people that they bring in to, to present the teaching, um, they, I, right from the start, I was blown away by them, I would say. Um, and it was a whole real range of, of kind of university professors, authors, um, right down to kind of um, young schools workers, 
um, street evangelists. But every single teaching session was... Um, it, it just had real impact. Um, gave you a real thirst. And it was, they present their, their subject. They're so inspirational themselves. These are people who are living out what they're teaching. And you can see that. And it comes across... So you just get really inspired by what you are, are learning, yeah. And what did it look like, as you spoke a bit about the whole church kind of getting involved and back and in the impact it has on the community, what did that look like um, in your context? Um, so I was able to kind of um, just have more confidence, I would say, in my position within, within my church um, and um, live out very practically the things that I was learning on the DNA course. Um, so opportunities were presented. Um, so, you know, for example, I ran an, an alpha course, um, did kind of got more involved and more confident in evangelism um, outreach um, events throughout the year. Um, and having that opportunity to just practice the skills that I'm learning and to kind of step out in faith and in trust and push myself beyond my comfort zone and know that God's cheering you on and that he's given you this opportunity and everything that you are learning and developing through DNA just gives you that confidence I think I'd gone into DNA with the phrase of um, confidence in my identity in Christ and um, that was kind of the goal that I was looking for um, and, and that was just worked out throughout every opportunity um, that I was given, yeah. yeah. Amazing. So it's, it's not just here's some head knowledge and you have more head knowledge, but like here's some real transformational truth that you can outwork in the context where you are. Because DNA, DNA says they, do not, um, they don't exist sort of outside the church, but they're here to support the church. So they will not function without connection with the church because it's not about pulling people away from their church communities to go and do something elsewhere but it's how can we invest in you where you are to flourish and be fully you and bring you the full contribution and who God has called you to be and I know there's um this thing about head hands and heart and head is all about that knowledge and theology and understanding the bible and principles hands is all about your gifting and your skill set but the heart is really the core and really del delving into what's going on inside and what does God want to change on the inside. Um, in my experience, sometimes discipleship courses don't always lean too much there and it can be a bit more head knowledge. What would you say? <laughs> no, 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 no. That is definitely not yeah. the case. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I mean, I said to you, didn't I? I kind of, I was so... Um, excited about the opportunity for D of me doing DNA that I felt like I'd, I'd gone into it saying, right, God, I'm a blank slate. Mm. Here I am. You know, I am ready. I've got no hang-ups. I've got no, you know, fears. I just want to experience more of you. And I felt like I'd gone in there, like, all clean and fresh and ready for what God's going to give me. And I felt like after the first weekend... <laughs> I just went, oh my goodness, I've got so much here. I'm coming with so much that I've got to deal with, with you, God. Um, and DNA does straight away, right from the very beginning, um, they reach right into your heart. Um, and they really challenge who you think you are, who you think you are in God. 
um, you know, your past, my, uh, real mindsets and strongholds. I think that was a surprise for me. Um, just how they have been challenged and how I've had to think about how I think and why I think the things I do about God and about godless, godliness and, you know, what actual discipleship looks like uh, in my context, within my life, within my family, within my church, within my community. Um, and all of that gets, gets, you know, addressed right from the very beginning. And it's continued throughout the whole of the year. But in a very supportive, nurturing um, environment, you know, you feel very safe because some of these situations and some of what we carry, um, you know, it does require sensitivity. uh, And it is a real challenge. Um, But the team are really, really well skilled um, and really equipped to be sensitive and... uh, to just take care of your spiritual needs, you know, as you go through these things. Um, But also recognizing they need to be brought before God. You need to, you know, true discipleship means that we are surrendered completely, that we don't hold on to strongholds um, and past experiences. And God wants to bring healing before he can bring transformation and give you your ministry for the future. And DNA just take you on that journey in a beautiful supporting way it's amazing I love that God does want to bring healing he wants to bring healing one of the things I really felt um, as I was preparing for today was that that there might be people you find that you're in cycles repetitive cycles of either patterns of behavior or patterns of thoughts and God just wants to break you out of that he doesn't want you to remain that way because there really is more and so that's just yeah, so powerful that he wants, he wants us healed and whole so he can send us. And so what does life look like now? What's happened in your life as a result of so kind of post-DNA? Um, so again, a very, very big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so although I've been speaking about the academic side and the learning, it is amazing and mind-blowing. Um, but there is... Um, you know, we do have to produce, you do have to produce works. There's yeah. little worksheets that you have to produce. And I have not studied since I was 16 in school. So jumping back into any type of academic writing or anything, I found really, really hard. Um, and I, the first three months, I just kept saying, God, what are you doing? Why is this so hard? Why this can't be for me? Um, but very quickly, I think by, uh, so I started in December, by the December during one of the weekends, I heard God say to me, study beyond DNA. Um, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, don't you know how much I'm struggling already? Um, but it was like one of those things that that seed was planted, that root was there, and God just nurtured it. And he transformed my um, reluctance into my main focus and my main desire And I can't tell you how that happened other than through prayer and through continuing to readdress it with God, arguing and wrestling with it. Um, But yeah, it became my main focus. I knew that was going to be my next step forward out of this, out of DNA. So um, I'm now studying a theology mission and evangelism degree um, that is accredited by Chester University, but I'm studying that through Light College in... um, which is a, a Bible college, uh, an amazing Bible college, very DNA-ish in, its, uh, in the way that it's presented. 
So I'm just about to start my second year of that. Yeah. Well so that's done. kind of I've had to go back to full-time study. So I've stopped childminding. Um, you know, I'm a full-time student, and that has brought a whole yeah. range of life changes, but also opportunities that, again, have impacted my family, and my family are on the journey with, which is um, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So more change. It keeps changing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. <laughs> And, and it's just, um, you know, there is that confirmation that the future for me is, is in ministry. Um, there is no going back now for me. Um, I don't know what that looks like, but I'm happy to trust that God knows what that is. And for now, this is what's right. Um, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. Let's appreciate Pamela. Thank you so much. Bless you. <laughs> awesome. I don't know about you, but I found that really, really helpful. It's very different hearing um, information um, over experience. Or should I say it's more helpful to hear experience over just information. And um, DNA is not just for, uh, historically tended to be, you know, that kind of gap year um, before your A-levels going into uni. But it isn't just for that. Like we've seen, it's for all ages, all people. And the way it's been newly structured, it's, it's more condensed, but that's to make it available to people who you still want to work. You don't have to leave your job. You don't have to leave your studies. But So don't rule yourself out if you're thinking, I have this thing that I'm doing. The structure has changed to make it even more accessible. So at any life stage or any point, you can explore doing it. And like Pamela said, the team are really sensitive and really helpful. And so when you do apply, there will be a journey of helping just to discern is this right for you for now so there's no harm in exploring because no one is going to force you to I, I put my name down now I have to do it it's like no actually let's go on a journey prayerfully together to see actually if this is a point in time where this is something that God is calling and asking you to do and so just to um I guess to kind of kind of speak a bit more into into discipleship and what that brings about in our lives because I think we all know that it's something we should do. I hope we all know that it's something that we're supposed to live out as we're called to be followers of Jesus. But I felt like I really wanted the Lord to the Lord really wanted to express what the fruit of true discipleship is. And so what does it produce when discipleship is actually happening in and through our lives because like Kev shared this morning God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask think or imagine and sometimes our Christian walk can feel a bit mundane or the same things happening over and over again and we we come and we cry I want more of you Lord and he's like yes I have more for you but you have not been called to experience the more of me in isolation I've called you to experience the more of me in community. And actually, if I sit in a corner by myself and I'm just crying out, God is like, you're part of a body. And there is a way that I have called you to experience more of me. And I have modeled that through how I lived, through how Jesus lived in the earth. Because Jesus, he had his 12 
And he poured into those 12, who poured into others, who poured into others, and here we are today. And so Jesus is saying, I have shown you the blueprint, and I have shown you the model of what it looks like to follow me and to experience the more of me. And that is not to say that I cannot encounter God by myself. Of course not. But that is not the only way, and it's not how we are called to live out our Christian walk, because we're part of a body. We're part of a family. And so when discipleship, true discipleship, is actually happening, the first fruit, I'm I'm going to talk about three, I'm sure there's loads, but the first thing that is really evident and sums up everything is that you begin to look more like Jesus. And that's really the purpose of discipleship, because it tells us in Romans 8, 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. It's God's plan and purpose that we look more like his son, that we are continually from one level of glory to the next as we behold him, look more like Jesus. And Actually, we're doing that in this life, but in the age to come, 1 John 3, 2, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall all be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So we come to him, we become more like him, and one day we will be fully like him. And that is the journey of our Christian walk from now until eternity. It's all about becoming more and more like Jesus, loving like Jesus, living, walking, talking like Jesus. And that is not just in the kind of gentle, nice way, but that is in the Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That is walking in the authority and the power of Jesus Christ because scripture tells us as he is, so are we in this world. And what we do in discipleship is to become conformed, is to be changed, is to be challenged and to be stretched all so that we can look more and more like him because he is the firstborn of many. So if true discipleship is happening in your life, that will happen. And if that is not happening, then there needs to be a question. What's not happening? What do I need to happen? Because I meant to ever increasingly, every single day, look more and more like Jesus. The second one, you will become more truthful. Now, I don't just mean truthful as in like you, you, I don't know, you tell the truth or you're, um, I don't know, you see things and you call them out. But Psalm 51 verse 6 says in the ESV, behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Matthew 7 verse 5, you hypocrite, Jesus says, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. There's something Pamela said about when we come to God and he does a work in our heart, he helps us see who we really are and not what we think we are or who he think we think he is, or he shows us who he truly is. And one of the really, really common problems to all of humanity is self-deception. Sometimes, most times, we can think of ourselves almost like we're watching ourselves outside from a movie and this is what I'm like. But unless we allow the Lord to really shine his light in our hearts and to show us, no, 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 this is what's really going on. Not in a condemning kind of way, but in a, in a way that we, th- 
we think certain things about ourselves because of the way we can portray ourselves and then we kind of can begin to believe the picture that we are portraying and we have not addressed the issues that are actually going on inside our heart. And then we can say, you need to change and you need to be like this. And Jesus says, take the speck, the plank out of your own eye before you start telling other people how to live. Look inside. Allow me to examine your heart to see what's really going on. You know, social media hasn't made it any easier for us to not be in self-deception. We can actually believe the lie of the life we portray. And it's a scary, vulnerable thing to to be silent. You know, silence before the Lord is one of the great cures of self-deception. If you stay silent in the presence of the Lord and allow him to churn and to bring out what's really going on, He will, but he's gentle. He's gentle in how he does it. He's so gentle, but we can end up living a lie and then feeling frustrated because we know inside it doesn't match what we think we are, but God doesn't want us to stay in that place. That's not what he wants for us. He desires truth in the inner parts, and Jesus knows how to get there. When in John chapter four, when he met the woman at the well, they're having this conversation, and Jesus says, and he says, go get your husband. Now, if Jesus, Jesus knows everything. So if Jesus asks a question, like ask your personal question, like Tunde, how old are you? You'd be like, Jesus already knows. But the reason Jesus does this, if Jesus asks you a question that you know he knows, or if he touches on something that you know he knows, it's because he is inviting you into an experience of him to be transformed. It's always invitational when Jesus asks you such a question. So he's like, get your husband. She's like, um... Yeah, I don't have one. He's like, yeah, you're right. I know you don't have a husband, but he draws her into an experience of him. And he tells her all about herself. She runs and tells the whole village and they all come and listen and everyone receives Jesus and they get saved. And it's glorious. And Jesus knows how to touch on the things we know. He knows. But sometimes, again, this self-deception, we kind of pretend it's not there or, you know. But Jesus is like, if you will just let me I will change your life completely and you will walk in freedom because it's for freedom that Christ came to set us free. And so good discipleship makes you more truthful because good discipleship will ask good questions. The questions you would rather people not ask you because if they don't ask me, I don't have to tell them and everything's going to be okay and I can just carry on being how I'm being and so forth and so on. But there's no change in my life. It's kind of like If you go to the gym and you can go for a gym class and the instructor's at the front and everyone's in the gym and they're working out and it's great and you could either hide in the back and kind of, you know, do anything. You're still getting something out of the class or you could be one of the really keen beans and be at the front and you're like, yeah, and then sometimes the instructor calls you up to be an example to the rest of the class and it's glorious. Or even if you just go to the gym with your friend and you can encourage each other and you see other people and like, yeah, okay. And there is benefit in that. And, and there's almost like that's a, one level of discipleship. There is a level of discipleship where we can come together, where we can be in the same space, where we can hear the same stuff, and we can be transformed. And that's good. But if you have a personal trainer, there is nowhere to hide. The personal trainer will pick up on your form. They will pick up if you've eaten the wrong things and you were not supposed to eat them. They will ask you the questions and they will push you. 
Your friend might say, oh, you only did five. Oh, don't worry. You'll get it next time. Never from a personal trainer. Come on, you can do it. What's wrong with you? And we don't like that. But where is there more growth? Like, where is there more growth? There will be growth in a corporate setting. There will be some growth. But it's a different measure. It's a different dimension of growth when we're actually one-to-one, allowing people to see and speak into our lives and ask us the questions. Did you go out again last night when you said you weren't going to go out? Did you lie again on your job application form? It is not to condemn, but it is to make us more and more like Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no falsehood in him. And there is no way that we become more like that without the tough questions, without being vulnerable and allowing our hearts to be exposed in a safe space with one another so we can become more truthful on the inside. So we can worship him in in the spirit and in truth. In truth. And finally, we become more fruitful. Let's go to Matthew 28. When true discipleship is happening in our lives, we become more fruitful. And so Jesus says, from verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So first of all, disciples make disciples. God gave that responsibility to us. The responsibility to create more followers of Jesus is on us. Not the Holy Spirit kind of just doing something somewhere, but Christ in us, working through us, making more people who love him, know him, and follow him. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so true discipleship results in making more disciples, in fruitfulness, in teaching others to obey what the Lord has said. And the Bible tells us that to obey him is to love him. We cannot say we love him if we do not obey him. And so he's called us to be those who are taught of him to obey and to teach others to obey so that others will also do the same And that collectively we will love him and become like him. And that's his great reward. That's why he gave his life. When we think back to history, you can trace some of the early church fathers who were disciples of the disciples' disciples. Does that make sense? So John had a disciple and then he discipled someone else and that person went off and was part of the founding of the early church. We can trace it back, but that's the way God moves, and that's the way God works. I know who told me about the gospel. I remember. I remember what they poured into my life. And I know the people I have spoken to since. And my prayer is that that continues and that continues. It's far more effective that way. Jesus is very clever. He knew what he was talking about. And so true discipleship, the fruit, 
we become more like Jesus, we become more truthful, and we become more fruitful. And that's the way, guys. The honestly isn't, isn't another solution for it. He has called his church, his church to be his solution. And together, we are those who disciple one another, who spur one another on. We don't live in self-deception. It's so easy to do. But we have to be vulnerable and open to allow him to transform us. But when he does, when he does, then we'll see fruit. Then we'll see fruit. Then we will see many, many others come to know him as well. Because they see and know the transformation in our own lives. And so how do we respond? I have a few ways that we could respond today. If you want to find out more about DNA, or if you have felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit this morning, even though you have no idea how this is going to work or even fully what it looks like, then you can sign up for a taster session or you can come and speak to me and Pamela at the back. We'll be at the back just over there talking to people today. Um, And if you don't have time, you can leave your name and number and I'll give you a call. And we can talk about it. But that's one way, one way that you can respond. The other way is if you are not yet part of a connect group, I urge you to join a connect group. Because in community, in that gym class together, you will spur one another on. There is opportunity for you to be seen, known, loved, and challenged, and stretched. But there will be fruit. And then... If you want to get real serious and grab a personal trainer, ask someone to disciple you. Just see, find somebody in the church community who probably has gone before you, knows a bit more, and just ask them. You'll be surprised at the number of people who are willing to spend time with you and pour into you. But you just have to be brave and ask. And even if you've asked before and maybe it wasn't the right time and season and someone didn't have capacity, don't let that put you off. Ask again. Ask again. And then fourthly, ask someone if you can disciple them. Preferably if you're already being discipled. Don't just go and yes, but, but, if you, but Jesus said you can all make disciples. However, I urge you <laughs> to be poured into so you can also pour out. But Ask someone, if you see someone and there is a drawing, maybe there's a gift, maybe there's just some kind of connection, you just just be bold and say, hey, I believe in you. I think you're great. Can I pour into your life? Can we figure out what that looks like? It might be weekly, it might be monthly, it might be every, it doesn't matter. But the principle is there. We can't kind of sit down and expect something to happen. We have to get up and move and do something to see the change. So you can sign up for a DNA taster session or come speak to me or Pamela at the back, find out more. Join a connect group if you haven't already. They're wonderful places to be. Our connect group had a picnic yesterday. It was supposed to be in Heaton Park, but it ended up being downstairs because it was chucking it down. But it was great. It was glorious. Be really brave and ask someone to disciple you. Ask someone. Just say, hey, come ask me, ask me the hard questions. And then ask someone else if you can disciple them. So why don't we just close our eyes? Let's just give a moment before the Lord for anything that 
that he touched on, or he prodded, or that provoked you, maybe even made you feel uncomfortable or hurt or scared, that's okay. Because we bring those things to him. He highlights them so he can heal us. So Jesus, we just still our hearts before you. And we ask you to hover, Holy Spirit, upon those areas where you're already highlighting. We thank you that you're so gentle. And you want us whole. Because you love us so much. There's nowhere we can hide from your presence. But we can choose to conceal if we want to. Even though you already know. So help us to be vulnerable. Help us, Lord, to be truthful on the inside. And in any one of those ways or any different way that you are calling us to respond, Holy Spirit, help us. Help us. So that we are people who don't hide, but we fully show up for one another so that we together can become more and more like Jesus. Because you are coming back for a bride who has made herself ready. We want to make ourselves ready for you, our bridegroom, King Jesus. We know that's our responsibility. Help us to take it seriously by your grace, by your help. Come, Lord Jesus. And open our eyes to those who we can connect with. Whether it's asking them to pour into us or us pouring into them. That we would be more connected with one another as a people. That we would be more connected with you. Thank you, Jesus. In your precious, precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.